Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Coach Jennifer Matthews. Jen and I had a conversation that I think everyone can relate to. We discussed how we can put ourselves first without neglecting all of those other things and people in our lives that are also important to us. So whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Jen, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's bright and early here in California, but I'm an early riser, so I'm good. It's a bright, sunny day. Awesome. Yes. Time changes happen, so we are no longer on the same time zone. Right? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. I think there's a lot of really good things we're going to cover for the listeners. But before we dive into that, let's just give a little bit about who you are. So I will let you just dive in and say, go with who are you? Absolutely. So my name is Jennifer Matthews. Um, I go by Jen or Coach Jen. Um, And I, uh, in my personal life, I am the mom of a nine-year-old boy and 11-year-old dog. (laughs) So I'm I'm busy taking care of them when I'm not working. Um, But I also really, really, really enjoy my, my original, my original art, my original profession, which was dance. I love dancing and singing, all things artistic, uh, cooking, and really like to, when it's doing road trips and camping and much more adventurous things than I would normally do, but when it's safe to travel again, I will look forward to traveling like a normal person again. (laughs) And in my professional life, um, I'm a professional behavioral coach, um, And I say behavioral coach because people are your life coach. I'm like, well, sort (laughs) of, right? I help, uh, we all take take actions and have behaviors. Some we've adopted, some that we've learned, some that have come with us and some that are natural. And they may or may not line up with, uh, you know, the best version of ourselves or the life we want to have. So uh, I've been a behavioral coach for 13 years. And my background for that uh, is a certification from the Coach Training Institute in San Rafael, California and a master's degree in transpersonal psychology from the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology in Palo Alto, uh, now called Sophia University. Very cool. Very cool. And I think a lot of what, why you do what you do kind of stems from your transition from like being a dancer and then having to come to a, like, I'm a functional human in life now and having to like (laughs) figure out how to be a functional human again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. And I love the functional human reference. Because <laughs> really, you really do feel dysfunctional when you injure out of your sport. I mean, I, I can't think of a better word, um, personally. And so, yeah, I, uh, that, uh, that story of transition um, from dance um, to coaching is one of pain and suffering, <laughs> to be honest, starts at the beginning, right? It's all right, we all, <laughs> sometimes that's, you gotta start where you are. And where I was, it was in a lot of pain. So, um, uh, you know, dance is, an, is a sport, kind of like gymnastics, and they all, they all challenge you to go beyond the normal range of motion for your joints, but dance and gymnastics in particular, of course, right? Ice skating, things like that. And um, so I injured out of my sport by 18, I had, uh, ankle, knee, hip, and back injuries. And I was like, this is just too much. So I stopped. But when I stopped, I was like, now what am I supposed to do? Like, I had no idea. So I did not feel functional in any way, shape, or form. 
Um, and the one thing I knew I loved was teaching. I used to teach dance as a professional dancer. I also taught, you know, dance to younger dancers. And I was in physical therapy so long, I just transitioned that enjoyment of um, teaching dance to teaching exercise and became a personal trainer back in 1999. And really for about 10 years, a little over 10 years, focused on rehabilitative medicine, because of course I was coming to it from my own rehab, four years of rehab. Um, and that transitioned to a coaching perspective uh, when people would show up at the gym and be really excited about what they wanted or where they were going and all these goals they had. And then about four, six, eight weeks in, I was like, where'd you go? Why, <laughs> why are we not doing this anymore? Right. Something always held the, per like they would hold themselves back or something else would be. And I was like, this is nuts. People can do better than this. I know they can. So, um, that shifted me over to looking at how do I help people? I help myself as well, but how do I just facilitate this sort of growth and change and accomplishment that people want uh, in themselves and in the experiences that they're having and in their life. And I came around to coaching. Um, I love it as a discipline. And I originally studied it back in 2007 and 2008. Um, and I've been doing it ever since. I still keep my training certifications because I just kind of geek out on that stuff and I like it and I like learning what's new um, in exercise science these days. But um, but in general, the majority of what I do is, is a coaching discipline. And yeah, I got into it from that sense of being totally lost and dysfunctional after injuring out of my sport. Well, let's dive into something I know you're really passionate about and I'm excited to talk about, which is like that feeling of selfishness. I think a lot of times, especially when we're talking, I think everybody, but especially, I, I feel like I talk to more moms that have this issue where it's just like, they're taking care of their kids and they're taking care of their parents and they're taking care of who knows whoever else. And they feel like taking time for themselves is essentially a selfish thing to do. And, and I think we just get this thought in our head that like, if we do what we need to do for ourselves, it's selfish. And so we just focus on everyone else. So how do we start breaking that cycle of like letting ourselves be selfish essentially? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so much of that is perspective, right? And so I think the first thing is to think about um, if you're in a situation where you have a lot, I'm like, who doesn't have this? But maybe there's people that don't have this. But if you're in a situation where you have a lot pulling on you, right, from so many directions, especially in that parenting situation, right, where we have children pulling, we might have partners, we have work, um, we have extended family with all of these things that are calling for our time and our energy. Some of them we really want to give as much time and energy as we can. Some of them we do because we have to. And then there's everything in between, right? But looking at where you're coming from, if you feel that way, right? If you feel this sense of, I've got to do all these other things first. Um, and, and looking at where you're standing, you know, in coaching, it's called perspectives. And it's like putting on what, what shoes are you standing in? What lenses are you looking at? And one way to look at taking care of yourself or fulfilling, I really, I'm going to call it needs fulfillment, right? Fulfilling your needs. Uh, one way to look at it is that it's selfish, right? That I'm taking time away from these other things. And I am, um, if I do that, then if I do that for me, then I won't be able to do that for them. And it's important for them because it's da, 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 da. And this, the story, this train starts to roll on the tracks in your head, right? Um, and you're like, well, I'm, I'm on the train. I can't jump off. I got to just go help everybody else. So 
the idea that you can look at that from a different place is one way to start with creating a transition. Um, and this is when I'm like, do you want to keep feeling that way? Right? Like if I asked you, I'm sure you've had a situation where you had to do something, whether you felt like it was obligation or it needed to come first. And it's not comfortable to do things that way. Right? It doesn't usually feel good. You might still get some feel good off of what you do and, you know, fulfillment from helping the other person, but it doesn't feel good. So it's like, do you want to do it this way? Do you want to say, I feel selfish and I have to come second? And, um, and most people go, no, but I don't know any other way, right? And the way is to get out of the shoes that you're in, is to get out of the lens that you're looking at and look at it from another perspective, right? Um, and you can also look at that from, so if I, if I shift and we have, you know, we're look, literally looking at, this is actually a coaching practice, people can try it, write down the word, you know, needs fulfillment or self-care, taking care of me, write down a topic, it's really specific. And, and look at it from that original perspective and then physically move your body around <laughs> to look at it from another place. Sounds crazy, but it, you got to try it. If you're, if you're sitting in the same seat and you try to look at something a different way, it's going to be really hard. Move yourself. Look at that same thing. So I'm literally going to move my chair over while we're talking, right? And look at that same thing and say, what's another way you can look at taking care of yourself? And my favorite perspective, <laughs> I'm just going to jump you right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ease you in people. I'm going to throw you right to the other side of the circle. Um, is this idea that taking care of yourself or your needs first, somewhere near first, even if it's not happening, <laughs> just sooner than you have been doing it, right, um, is preserving, right? There's a preservation quality to that. And when you go, okay, well, what does it mean to preserve, right? It means to keep something for longer, like make something last for longer. I would love you and me and every, I would like us all to last for longer and what we need to accomplish, right? Instead of like dragging in the mud, like an OCR racer by the end of the course. And you're like, just get it done, right? So <laughs> I would like us to be able to um, persevere or just be preserved for longer. So if you look at taking care of yourself from a place of preservation, what will you preserve if you do just a single task, not like everything you need has to come first, just start with one thing. Uh, you know, what will you preserve if you do the one small thing for yourself first? And if your aim is truly to help support this giant list of tasks you have to do and all the things that are pulling on you, the more of you that's available to do that, the less, like the more in service that you are and the less selfish that you're being. So it's looking at it from a different angle and saying, okay, what if doing one small thing for me today or two or three, if you can fit them in, but start with one, if this is really uncomfortable and you're like, ah, um, start with one small thing and what will I preserve for myself if I do this one small thing first? That's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And I think too, or at least what I've kind of realized over the years is like the more essentially like time I spend on myself, myself, all of a sudden, like the more time appears in the universe and I'm able to like get more accomplished for everything else. And so it's pretty like, pretty cool to see as far as like, you take care of yourself and all of a sudden you somehow gained like 12 hours <laughs> magically. <Right? laughs> 
Totally. That that is the magic side of this. If you can find a way, whether it's that self-preserving perspective or, you know, look at it from or look at it, looking at it from a different place. If you can find a way to give yourself permission to that you're worth it, that you you need to be preserved, that your energy matters. I mean, obviously your energy matters. Everybody's pulling from it, right? Everybody needs you. Everybody wants you. And there's things you want to go do, right? And all of that is really worthy of the time, <laughs> right? The time and attention that it takes. Um, and yeah, that's totally the magic of it. If you do one small thing for you and you have a little bit more, let's just say energy, or in my case, it's my, it's my uh, mental, emotional capacity. Like mm-hmm. I have more cognitive ability to help more people if I wake up a little earlier and I do something like stretch, because when I do my mild fascia release, you're, you're the PT, right? When I do my mild fascia release, I'm not being pulled. My attention isn't being pulled away by my uncomfortable joints, mm-hmm. something that simple. And so now I have more conscious ability to access my thoughts and my energy for other people. And you're right, you you somehow magically get more done and have more ability in the same amount of time, but you're like, somebody must increase the clock because <laughs> it feels like I got a lot more done and I'm not dragging as much, right? And you don't have that drag as much. Yeah. So how you, you already mentioned as far as like just finding like one little thing to kind of do during your day, but how do we go about like finding all of this balance in our lives when we do have work and kids and spouse and mm-hmm. you name it, other things that are pulling at us constantly? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it usually takes a little bit of peeling back. And by that, I mean, you know, imagine you're an onion and you are at the center. <laughs> or you're, you're towards the inside, right? And as life has happened, the layers of things that have been added to your life, right? Education, work, partnership, uh, family, children, and that kind of, you know, um, elder care, family care, right? Imagine those as little layers of things that are now around you. And um, you have to remember that you're in the middle of all that first, right? Because our focus is usually away from it. Our focus is usually away from ourselves on all those things. So remembering that you're in the middle of it um, and that you are actually the center of it. So you have more control than it feels like you do (laughs) because there's more of those things in volume, you know, in the physical world than just you, but you are also at the center of that. So you really do have more control. So one is believing that you have the ability to have an impact on the experience that you're having. Um, acknowledge that you're at the center of it and all these things are around you. And as far as where you begin, um, the first word that came to mind when you asked the question was priorities, right? Something as simple as sitting down with a piece of paper or, you know, I'm very tactile, so I use the paper, but grab your phone and your notes, however you sort of might get thoughts out of your head um, and put them down. It's really important to put them in the physical world. Don't keep them in your head. (laughs) Don't keep them in your head. Your head's full already, right? and take a gander, take a look at like, what are my priorities? What, what is most important to me in life right now? And, and I know that feels like a really big question sometimes, but just set a timer for three minutes and sit down and write one thing, you know, a day for a couple of days a week. And I'm talking about the really slow drip. Like you can sit down, you can grab 30 minutes away from your life and just write down a big giant list of all the things that are important to you. You can do that as well. But I think it's about remembering you're at the center, believing that you have the ability to have an impact, like <clears throat> you matter at the center of all that's going on, and that 
um, looking at being guided by your own values, right? You have this beautiful internal compass that will help you create direction and sitting down and connecting with that and remembering what's actually most important to you in life um, is probably step one. I love that you brought up the values and then the other word that comes to my mind is vision. Mm. Um, I read a book recently and was just really talking about how like if you have your vision and you have your values, like making decisions is easy because it's a matter of like, well, this is like not overly important to my mission in life. So this can be a no. Whereas I think a lot of times it's just so habitual for us to be like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. And not realize like how much we're over committing to things that aren't really relevant to us necessarily. Yeah. They may not be in that, in that sort of locus, right. That, that circle that's around you. Um, it is easy to get pulled off into those things because they have a, they have an aspect or an air or a motif of what's important to you. But when it, when push comes to shove and you actually execute what you're doing, you're like, why am I doing this? This is, I don't know that this is really a value add for me or anybody else in my life. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. Tell me the, oh, vision. Thank you. Sorry, the word went right out of my head. Um, so the thing about values and vision, right, which is a very fundamental way, like a lot of coaches use that as a fundamental way to help their clients create direction for themselves, um, is this idea that a vision is the destination you want to get to, right? Just so we're all, I mean, that's that's my definition of a vision. Is that is yours kind of the same, Jam? Yes, accurate. Cool. I always like to clarify words. <laughs> we, we sometimes are both talking about apples and you're like, no, 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 I'm talking about this. And I'm, you know, you end up in different roads and didn't even know. So, um, right. So vision is this destination you want to get to, or it might be an experience you want to have. It's the slightly intangible, but you can still see it in your mind, think of it or be aware of it somehow. Um, and values are like, the navigating points, right? They're, I'd say they were stepping stones, but they're not quite. It's more like, are the actions that I'm taking supporting my values? Because my values, I very rarely meet a person whose values are not in line with the vision that they want. So, you know, that's about looking at, I mentioned like, okay, I do behavioral coaching, right? And it's this idea of trying to track your alignment. <laughs> like what's most important to me? What do I want to experience? And am I taking actions in a way that has those things lined up, right? The values and the visions lining up. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you start? I'm curious because it's, I finally just like had to make myself start saying no to things because like, mm-hmm. things seem fun and exciting and like it might be pros- like might be worthwhile doing. And I think it's just so easy for us to get in this habit of like saying yes to like every opportunity or everything that comes up how do we start breaking that pattern of like not saying yes to everything, starting to say no upfront. So you're not overcommitting yourself. You're not sitting like at an event being like, I wish it wasn't here right now. (laughs) Like I could be doing X, Y, and Z instead. Um, How do we start breaking some of these patterns that we've gotten ourselves into? Uh, The first word that comes to mind is experiment. You, you, there's experiment and then I'll kind of tie these together. Um, and write it down so I can sort of keep my thoughts straight. There's experiment. There's permission to say no, right? Some of us, like, I don't know about you, but through a variety of my life experiences, it's actually hard sometimes personally for me to say no. Um, for And we all have different reasons. Um, sorry, guys, but sometimes this is a gal thing. Like for women, I think sometimes it's particularly hard sometimes for us to say no. It crosses gender too. It doesn't necessarily matter, but I can only speak to my own experience. 
Um, and sometimes it's just hard to say no. So acknowledging if you feel like you prefer to say yes and you prefer to for whatever reason, um, <clears throat> and that no is something like a muscle that you might need to train yourself to say, <laughs> right? There's a certain amount of experimentation that needs to happen for you to learn to say no, for you to be better at saying no or yes and is one of my favorites. Yes, I like that. And here's the part that I know I can do and here's the part that I can't, right? So it's like <laughs> yes and no at the same time. Um, so if, if we look at priorities, right? And you're looking at this idea of priorities or values, that's gonna give you an indicator um, when you need to choose an action is this action taking me towards something that's important to me or away from something that's important to me? And then let me just tell you, it's okay to take actions that are away some, from something that's important to you. Sometimes you have to, to go two steps back to get catapulted the one forward that you needed, like, or two steps away. You know, I, I think of a slingshot. Sometimes you got to go back to go forward. Like, it's all right. Um, but it gives you those values, gives you a sense of where an action is taking you. <clears throat> and if you have a pattern of always saying yes, or um, you're like me, and you just get excited and want to like try stuff and do it. And the next thing you know, you're like, yeah, I mean, too, my fingers are too many pots. I got to pull back. Right. Um, that's where this experimenting idea comes in. So the values give you an idea of, is this going towards or away? And why would I do this? You know, kind of pros and cons. Um, the experiment is how you design to go, okay, what are the next three things I'm going to say yes to? And you're saying yes to try them. That's a really important thing. You're saying yes to try them. You're not saying yes to marry them for the rest of your whole life. You're saying yes to try them so that if it doesn't work for you, you can speak up and go, you know what? This isn't working for me. Um, what do I need? And that circles you back to yourself at the center of what's going on. You can check with your values, see what parts are yes, and your no can, you know, can naturally bubble up. So it's really about creating a learning process for yourself and being able to allow yourself to experiment with some things that you say yes to, maybe have some limits so that you don't go crazy saying yes to everything. <clears throat> Try to keep what you're saying yes to somewhere near your values and priorities and really, really have permission to say no, you know, and be like, you know what, this isn't working for me. And it's okay to say that. Yeah. It's something I've realized over the past couple of years, especially socially, like there's just some of those things that you feel almost obligated. Like you should go to them. You're supposed to go to them. And it's finally more recently that I'm just like, I'm an adult. I can decide what I want to go to and what I don't. And mm -hmm. I don't want to go to this. So like, yeah, I don't have to. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the owning your no, right? Like saying your no is one level, like getting used to being able to like permission. Can I, do I have permission to say no? Yes, I do. Great. Let's practice saying no. Cool. Just like putting yourself first and then, or, you know, doing the one thing for you and then magically there's more time. Once you start to say no, it kind of feels good. And so you'll get to a point, right? You'll get better at, like I said, it's a muscle. You got to exercise and get better at using, right? And your nose will become wildly compassionate and very kind and not negative and, you know, upholding of something for you. And this is my favorite part. Sometimes when you say no, you offer an opportunity for someone else in the world that you didn't even know about, right? So if you're really not meant to go to that thing for you and you know it in your heart of hearts, don't go because someone else is going to show up and they're going to have an experience they might not have had if you were there, right? So you, you kind of open up this, you know, slightly butterfly effect, but you open up opportunities for other people sometimes when you say no. 
And yes, it gets fun and more comfortable a little bit as you go. <laughs> and, and you can really know, right? You're owning your no um, is that place of evolution, right? Where you really feel like I'm going to say no to this and it's okay. It, it's good. It's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that viewpoint on like that. Yeah. When you say no to something, it allows the opportunity for someone else. Cause it's different. It's a perspective I hadn't thought of before, but it is very true. Right. Yeah. And I, 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 that, that perspective came from my coaching education. Um, but, and then it was extremely uh, reinforced in parenting, <laughs> right? Because your whole job, you have these children, you know, I, I have one, but you have a child not to keep them. Although it feels like at the beginning, you're like, oh, my baby, right? Um, the reality is you, you have a child to let it go so that that soul and that individual can go live their own life. And all along the way, there's times when you've got to say no, you've got to step. And I'm, I mean, no to doing the thing or organizing the thing or being the driver. Like you've got to let whatever is natural in them begin to come out um, so that you can, so that you can step back into whatever and begin to transition slowly, but surely into whatever your role is as a larger person in the world, because you're not just a parent and allow your child to step forward um, little by little to show who they are and what they're meant to be doing. Now let's take a quick break to talk about Equip Foods. Equip Foods is a supplement line, but what I really love about them is their products are made with 100% real food products. There's no fillers, there's no chemicals, there's nothing artificial in it. So everything that you are putting into your body when you consume their products is good for you. And they don't just have the normal protein and pre-workout type supplements. They also have products for decreasing inflammation, for joint health, for circulation, for all sorts of things that just help you be an overall healthier person. So go check out everything Equip Foods has to offer at equip, E-Q-U-I-P, foods.com. And at checkout, if you use code F-I-X, 15, that is F-I-X-1-5, you can save 15% on your order. You can also get a link to Equip Foods and all my other partners at getyourfixpt.com slash partners. And now let's get back to our conversation. So with all of this, like not being selfish, saying no, like finding this balance in our lives, it really helps us to be like, to really ask, to really address that whole like well-being of a person, the emotional, spiritual, physical, mental, like all of this stuff. Um, <laughs> why, like, why is all of this important when it comes to like performance and recovery and letting our bodies heal and repair and all of this stuff? Like, how does this all play a factor? Not only in like, okay, I'm not as stressed in my life because I'm like taking care of myself, but from a performance standpoint, how does this all play out? Yeah, so it's funny. You know, the first thing that comes to mind in response to that question, and you may you may need to repeat the question because my brain's going to go on a tiny bit of a tangent, if that's okay, go for um, it. is culture actually comes up for me, right? Culture comes up in response to, like, how does, you know, why does this relate to recovery and performance? Um, and I'm like, why does culture come up, Jennifer Elaine? And it's because... Um, 
<laughs> when I talk to myself seriously, I use my middle name. You're <laughs> 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 like, whoa, what was that just happened there? <laughs> um, right? Like, let's think about this. And I think one of the things is that um, in Western culture and in some cultures in general, we tend to dissect in order to understand the connection right? And, and that's the normal way the brain works, right? We do an objective dive so that we have a better understanding of the connection of things. So we look at parts as opposed to the whole. Um, we look at pieces as opposed to the, you know, everything all put together. Um, and other cultures look at things from the whole, right? And how everything is connected um, and then there's cultures that, of course, somewhere in between and, and have a mix as we've as we've across the centuries influenced each other culturally. So um, one of the reasons it matters uh, to connect the idea of doing something, you know, maybe where we began doing something for yourself as being not only OK, but preserving <clears throat> is that no part of you is separate from the other. Our, our brains think about our emotions versus our physical body versus our spiritual connection, you know, whether with its, whether it's with God or a particular uh, set of religious beliefs or even cultural beliefs that, are, that, you know, essentially are spiritual at heart. No piece of ourselves, no, no component of ourselves as we describe it in language so that we understand it is actually separated from another. So your performance, uh, your physical performance in a task um, or an action can be affected by your emotional state or your, your mental emotional state or your spiritual development, right? Like they all end up impacting each other. So if you think of yourself, if you think of yourself like a pie, like a circle with all these different slices, right? Um, if you only work on one slice of the pie, like what happens to the rest, right? Like they're not getting but they will be impacted. There is, there is a trickle down. There is a, you know, if I work on one slice, the other slices are, are impacted, but eventually some things become neglected, right? Because of an over-focus on maybe body or an over-focus on mind. Um, so uh, one, it's important to acknowledge your culture when you bring things together. And it's important to acknowledge where you come from, what your belief systems are from a family standpoint, from a spiritual religious standpoint, um, or even just as an individual in terms of the connectedness of things. Um, whether it's science or, or faith, uh, I believe that personally that they both point to a sense of connection. You know, science pulls things apart in order to understand them coming back together and, and faith traditions often say, well, it's all connected, <laughs> right? It's all one big connection um, <clears throat> in terms of, uh, you know, our connection in the universe, but also like the spirit of um, God or things being embodied in a person and then them doing that. So if you, so if we circle back to your question, which was sort of why does it matter or how we frame it one more time? I don't even know how I worded it. So we'll just okay. go with this. Um, <laughs> yeah. When we're talking about like being selfish, saying no, doing those things for ourselves, how does all mm -hmm. that all play into our performance recovery, like all of that as an athlete? Yep. Um, so the number one thing is you, you got to go with, you're going to be, to be good at doing whatever, you know, right. Whatever, whatever you do most often, whatever you've brought up with, whether it's a culture or behavior or education, you're always going to be good at what you do most, right. You're always going to be good at what you know. So if what you know doesn't align, okay. If it doesn't align with this concept of taking care of myself 
is preserving so that I have the energy to do that. You know, I, my needs are fulfilled so that I can fill in the blank. Um, and that then creates, like you said, this magical momentum of everything coming together, right? If you believe that things are separated and need to be treated individually or separate from each other, it's going to be hard to get a momentum. It's going to be hard to get a momentum where things are complementary. And the bottom line is that one thing, something I do for my mind helps my body. What I do for my body helps my mind. And if I neglect any one of those areas, I'm missing a piece of the overall pie that is me. And I will not have the performance that I can possibly. I will not reach um, the recovery that I need to, to be able to perform. So it's about the recipe, right? For what I need as a person to be able to connect the actions I take to the experience I want to have. And the body is, every, it's all connected. So if you're trying to recover, but you're not dealing with this mental, emotional piece, you won't achieve the recovery you need. If you're trying to perform, but you're not dealing with a, per, uh, a physical piece, you won't achieve the performance and the experience you want to have, right? It's, and I think that's why culture came up first, because it's really about thinking about what do I believe? Your beliefs will guide your behaviors subconsciously 99% of the time, right? Uh, unconsciously, you'll be guided by all sorts of things. So where am I coming from? What do I believe? And if you come from a culture where things are more separated, um, and you've been taught, you know, mind, body, all these things are sort of separated in their own little categories. You may want to consider bringing it all together because at the end of the day, each piece impacts the next and you can't fully recover, or achieve the performance that you want if you're not looking at them in an integrated way. That's a really cool perspective. I and mean, I've never thought like the culture aspect of it or just the belief aspect of it, as far as how much that can impact, like how someone whether someone does or does, doesn't do something in the whole grand scheme of all of this. And they may not even be aware of it. It's just the way that they do it. It's the way they were brought up. It's the way, you know, uh, Nona or grandma or ever, you know, it's the way that it's passed down from generations. And um, some of the ways that have been passed down to us from former generations worked really, really well in those times. Um, but they're not necessarily as applicable in the world that we live in today. So there's no sense of trying to disrespect or disregard the way that you, you know, know to be in the world, um, but you're also designed to evolve and change. And you can say yes and, and no thank you, right? You can say no thank you to the components of that don't really serve and don't work for you and do put you in the cycle of self um, really have self-abuse, right? When you aren't taking care of yourself and say, yes, and I will keep this component and add something new so that you can truly achieve, whether it's recovery, performance, experience, you know, spiritual growth, um, what mental, emotional development, whatever it is, uh, the yes and becomes very important. And then no thank you to what doesn't serve you. Mm -hmm. The book that's coming to mind as you're talking is, um, there's one I read a while ago. I think it's the Code of the Extraordinary Mind. Mm, that sounds fun. Um, it died. I'm pretty sure that's the one. Um, but it really talks about almost like what you just did as were as far as diving into all of these, he calls them brule, brule, rules. I'd say it. Rules? Bullshit rules, basically. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's a rule? <laughs> Bullshit rules. Got it. Basically okay. getting into all those things that we developed from like culture and family and all of these things that we just like do in life, but we don't really know why we do them. And it really starts getting you to question like, 
is this thing I do on a daily basis for X, Y, and Z reasons, like, do I need to be doing this? Is it helpful to me? Or is it really just something I do? Cause that's what my parents or whoever taught me to do. And so it's pretty fascinating to kind of start diving into and like really start thinking about that with things that we do too. Yeah. There's a book called the four agreements, which is uh, that's my favorite book, right? The four agreements is, is a very good starting place for that concept for anybody who hasn't read it. It's a short book. It's an easy read, go grab it, you know? And it's um, it's, I often think of that language as a parent because I'll be in my mind. I'm like, you're driving me crazy. And that's one of his things is like, you can't drive someone else crazy. Don't tell your child that you're, don't tell anybody that you're driving them crazy. Something is driving you crazy. And it probably has nothing to do with the other person. Right. But that's one of those lines of responsibility that we take on. Oh, I'm doing something to that person. Mm -hmm. I now need to change my behavior. And it's like, well, wait a second, one finger forward, three fingers back. That person's actually having an experience and they need to be responsible for it. And if you're impacting it some way, you guys can talk about that, but you're not responsible for their, you know, for their experience. (laughs) Come on. Right. So the way that we use our language, um, we do develop, we do develop an association with all sorts of subconscious beliefs and rules, right? Uh, rules, bogus or, or bullshit rules that may or may not um, serve us. And I think in a cultural context, it can be very challenging because I know, uh, because it is so ingrained, I mean, men, uh, emotionally, energetically, I, things get genetically transferred. I mean, things get passed along mm-hmm. family lines. Um, and to step out of that can feel quite scary. It can feel like, and you can also have thoughts like you might be disrespecting where you're coming from. Um, but the reality is whoever you think you might be disrespecting, if that, that person's part of your family, part of your culture, part of your tradition, they're going to love you as you. And my favorite, favorite, favorite advice that anyone ever gave me was my master's degree, the advisor I had in my master's degree program. And he said, Jen, no matter what happens, the world needs you to be you right? The world needs you to be you. So if that means you have to say no to something, even if it's a long held traditional thing, um, no to something that's subconscious and you realize it when you're adult and you're like, wow, my mom did that and her mom did that, you know, like back and back and back. You might have to step out of that mold to be able to be you because the world truly needs each of us to be as authentic, as authentically ourselves as we can. And I know no better recovery or mode of performance than authenticity. It's truly the heart of uh, a hummingbird flying by outside as we speak. I love it. It's truly at the heart of what will propel you, right? Not only with speed and accuracy, looking at that sweet little bird, but also with joy, right? And really feeling a sense of joy at life. Awesome. That is a perfect spot to almost end this on. (laughs) (laughs) Almost. We got, well, we got more. What's one more thing Um, we got left? Just is there, we talked a lot about a lot today. Is there anything that we haven't said, talked about that you feel is super important to bring up? Uh, so the word that came to mind when you asked the question is the word needs. And I think what I want to say is if any part of this conversation has sort of resonated, right? We, could, we, wandered, we wandered around a lot. So I hope that's okay. <laughs> the best but, time, um, <laughs> pretty much all of mine go that way. So, right. Um, <clears throat> so I talked about priorities, right? And, um, and I think what I want to say is uh, whether you are a more creative and open person and you like to, you know, collage or draw or, you know, do some kind of expression that way, or you're a more linear person and you just might like to make lists and sort of write things down or some mesh of in between. Um, 
if you want to approach this work, right? If you, because it, it's work, it's self-work to say, okay, I, I feel like these ladies might be saying something valuable about my ability to take care of myself. And you know, in your heart of hearts, you'll feel better if you take a little bit better care of yourself. I mean, that we don't have to prove that to you. Like your gut will tell you, your brain, your gut, every part of you will be like, yeah, that's Jen's right. She's, I'm going to feel better if I do that. Right. So if you're looking at approaching this work, the thing I would say to do is pick the path of the next few things that I'm going to say um, that is the easiest. Always pick the path of least resistance when you begin something new because you will generate momentum and an object at motion will stay in motion. And you want to start this and then slowly keep going, right? So don't reach for something. I want to do that. I'm going to take care of everything tomorrow. No, no, people. No. <laughs> the reach the rung on the ladder that you can actually, it's already there. You can put your hand on it because pulling yourself up is what will make you reach for the next and so on and so forth. So the things you can start with are, what are my needs? Like what honestly are my needs? And if you need any help with clarifying that, Google Maslow's hierarchy of needs and look at the picture. There's a picture that says different kinds of needs. And it'll really help you be like, oh, maybe these ones are fulfilled or maybe I need help in those. Just sort of gives you a visual to, to bounce off of um, for needs. What are my needs? Um, the second one is this, what's most important to me, right? Whether they're values or priorities, just in my life, just go ahead and be in the center. Everything else around you can take a nap. It's not going to go anywhere. It'll be there when you get back and truly give yourself permission to just think from your heart and soul and say, what's most important to me in this life. And you don't need to name more than three things. I mean, even one's fine. Um, but that sense of value or priorities, um, getting clear on what your needs are. And then that the third piece, and again, remember I said, pick one and pick the one that's the easiest, <laughs> um, is, Oh, I've forgotten it. Come back, brain. <laughs> Come back. What was it? Needs. Priorities. Oh, I hate when my brain does that. Well, I guess you get two. <laughs> I've totally forgotten the third. Hi, people. I'm human, too. Um, yeah, it's gone. Oh, so it's zero, all meant so to be, we'll right? <laughs> Pick one of those that is the, the, the path of least resistance, the easiest thing that you can brainstorm about and start there. Um, and the easier you can make it, the easier it will be to accomplish and the quicker you'll get to the next step and then just repeat that process over and over and over. Awesome. That was awesome. Well, Jen, if someone wants to reach out to you, has questions for you, where can they find you? Absolutely. So uh, you'll find my website at movestrongmethod.com and you'll see that it, my specialization um, is to coach at one of my specializations. The main thing I've been working on the last few years is to coach athletes in life skills development, um, with, which includes everything from decision-making to emotional intelligence, um, and really learning to turn on that internal navigation that I'm talking about. So you, you can sort of, cause, cause sports puts you in a position of following and when the rest of your life actually needs you to lead. So, um, so you'll see on the website uh, that that's the specialization. Um, and I also coach parents. Um, I love coaching parents um, and I coach professionals uh, in the sense that each one of those, whether you're an athlete, a parent, a professional, there's a specialization in what you're doing. Um, and again, uh, you really wanna work on developing that sense of self-leadership and self-guidance 
so that you're driving things in the direction you want in the way that you want. So you can email me um, and the email is just jen at movestrongmethod.com. Um, uh, and go to the website and check that out. Uh, and I'm also on Instagram at movestrongmethod um, as well as LinkedIn, which is just Jennifer Matthews. If you want to just generally look up information and it's not about contacting, you're just like, who is this lady? Uh, go on go on LinkedIn for Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Matthews or go on Instagram at movestrongmethod. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate getting on here. This was a fun conversation. Of course. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it, Brian. And before I close out today, I want to take a moment to talk to you about the foot and ankle fix for runners. Foot and ankle pain is such a common injury with runners, and yet it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be bothering you constantly. It doesn't have to be shutting you down from being able to run. But many times it does because we don't do the right things for it. That is why I created the foot and ankle fix for runners. It's an online program that'll give you the right things to do in order to resolve your foot and ankle issues once and for all and let you really get back to training like you want to. So if you're interested in checking out the foot and ankle fix for runners, head over to getyourfixpt.com courses and you can see a link for the foot and ankle fix for runners as well as all of my other online programs. Thank you again so much for listening today. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional. <laughs>